You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. You may be seated. You may be seated as you do. Maybe you can uh, find a Bible. That'd be awesome if you could find a Bible. Turning to Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 27 to 30 today. Just as we, uh, we do that, um, I would say that almost you know, every weekend, if you rated the sermons and content, probably about a G rating most of the time, a G rating. Uh, today, I think, is going to be a PG rating. And I'm not, I'm not concerned about the content. I'm really happy with all ages that are here right now. But I think PG, parental guidance, um, I think this is an important, important day. Um, this is a very, very serious message from Jesus. And this is one that I think really lends itself to afterwards to discussing and in a parental guidance way, maybe with uh, the ages that are here and even amongst ourselves as well. Uh, just recognizing that there's a heaviness and there's an urgency and there's an important, importance to what we're going to be talking about today. I feel it right now. Um, last service was evidence of that too. And um, we are walking into the heart of enemy territory today on an issue that is absolutely ravaging lives uh, in the millions and millions and millions across our world. Uh, today, uh, church, it is life and death. Uh, there is no exaggeration. Jesus himself says that. Today is life and death. This is the difference between heaven and hell for those who are truly repentant and those who want to seek the Lord and those who could care less. It's that serious. Um, my heart's beating a little fast right now just for, I believe, what, what, like what we're doing. And um, I welcome that. I welcome that. I'm trying to be faithful as I can as a church to the Word of God and believing, man, we need to, we need to hear so much. So uh, all that to say, I'm going to pray. Now, let's remember, uh, we're in a spiritual battle right now. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. And all around this place right now, and even people here, maybe your heart's beating a little faster right now too because the Holy Spirit's revealing to you that today's an important day. Uh, Satan hates us so much. Um, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad Overflow's here. I'm so glad Overflow's watching. Uh, I'm so glad we're here together, but uh, this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And I want us to pray accordingly. So I'm going to pray, and I ask, would you agree with me um, if your heart is in line with this and just recognizing those that are here, the hundreds and hundreds of hearts and souls, and how much we need uh, the Lord to speak. So Father, uh, we just want to start by saying we love you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, adore you and worship you. And next, we need you. We need you. Uh, I just so uh, recognize, Lord, it took me about an hour to get into the text this week in my study to realize this is a big deal. Uh, we are walking into the heart of enemy territory. So many lives, so many thousands and, and really millions are held in bondage to what is leading them to death and destruction. It's that serious. And so in Jesus' name, we pray together as your church. We pray you'll set the captives free. Amen, church. Amen. We pray you will release men and women and children from bondage today. Today. I beg you to give eyes to see the darkness that they are in. I beg you, Lord, that you will help each of us to recognize the seriousness of this moment. Your words, Lord, not mine, your words today. And that you would lead us to a place of true wisdom and faith and power and freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, our world hates this message today. It is so against it. Satan certainly does. And so all the more reason we need to give it. I pray there be grace. I pray there be truth. I pray there be love. Uh, may it be so. We pray today, right now, as we go into battle in Jesus' name. You agree? Amen. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Haven't got your attention already? I'll get it with our sermon title today. It's this. The sin of lust is serious. 
The sin of lust is incredibly serious. Again, I want to remind you, I don't decide the topics of uh, preaching. Jesus does, right? Just when we're going through the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse, this is the next section. This is the next topic. Jesus has decided that 2,000 years ago. Apparently, Jesus believes we need some serious attention on the issue of lust, and of course, he will be right. Uh, this is a particular sin that is just wreaking havoc and destroying life after life after life. Uh, within our society, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to be taught on it, and we need to be saved from it. It's very important, too, that we acknowledge how the sin of lust has become so pervasive and so dominant in our society. The sin of lust is not only tolerated now, it is in fact heavenly, uh, heavily promoted and celebrated. Um, I think maybe a generation or two ago, this sin in many aspects of society still carried public shame. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Of course, it's always happened. But I still think, at least in this nation, there was a sense of public shame when sins like these were exposed. Often they would happen behind closed doors or at the very least isolated sections of society. Well, no longer. Uh, this sin is absolutely flaunted with staggering pride and shocking arrogance and really spitting in the face of God. It's where we live today that is a sign of how corrupt our society has become and how evil and darkened the heart has also progressed in the day that we live. It's also important for me to recognize that the sexual revolution that consumes us at every turn, we have to understand that the core of the sexual revolution is what? There's a flesh-driven appetite to satisfy every pulpus of lust-filled pleasure. At the core of what's happening around us, it's I want what I want, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want, and no one can tell me otherwise. It's all about, again, at its core, a desire to fulfill the lustly appetites of the flesh in as much sin as possible. That's what's happening all around us. It's also fascinating to me that the Bible explicitly connects in multiple times. Uh, Romans 8, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, Revelation 18, and many other passages we'll see today. The Bible explicitly connects the return and judgment of Christ, pouring out the wrath of God upon the world, and the connection to the world's complete desire and lust for sin in the area, again, of lust. The connection of God's return, Jesus Christ returning, and his judgment. They take Revelation 18. Man, just, it sobers me so much to read. I encourage you read it. Revelation 18, describing the fall of the Babylonian Empire, again, the system of the world, and describing it as a dwelling place for demons, a haunt of all unclean spirits. And at the heart, it says, for the nations have drunk the wine of the passions of the flesh and sexual immorality. That's very sobering for us. The lust of the heart of humanity to pursue sinful acts of the flesh and lust is going to be one of the main reasons when Christ returns the judgment that is coming upon the entire earth for those who reject Jesus Christ and have longed after their own sinfulness and desires of the flesh as opposed to obedience in Jesus Christ. And not my words. It's God's word. That's how serious this is today. We need to be awakened. See, what happens is we get numbed. What happens is we grow so indifferent to the things around us. Jesus comes in and blows that up today. 
He's like, no, 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 this is deadly serious, and we need to, again, admit it as such. So a very, very important issue, and Jesus states with shocking clarity today, the sin of lust is serious. Not just serious, it is, it is life and death. The sin of lust is deadly serious. I just, I just, I just want you to know that like, I'm not, like, this is hard for me today, but I believe in it with everything I have because God's word says it. But it's not like there's a great joy in the sense of like, again, like I feel the urgency at, at this very moment. But I believe so much, so many are dying. And so many need to be set free from the sin that is destroying lives and families and marriages and young men and women. Like, like as much as ever, we will find out. And that's why today again comes with so much sobriety. God's word, Rome, uh, Matthew 5 verse 27. Matthew 5 verse 27. If there's any day to have a Bible, it's probably today. Matthew 5, 27, look at it, says, Jesus says, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members, listen to this, than your whole body be thrown into hell. What's it worth it to you that we don't go to hell, what can we lose now to save our lives for all of eternity? Verse 30, in case you didn't hear it, he says it again. And if your right hand now causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Okay, wow. Wow, let's uh, start here today. When it comes to the sin of lust, I must understand the sobering reality of it. I must understand the sobering reality of the sin of lust. So when Jesus says, verse 27, when he says, you've heard it said, you should not commit adultery, um, likely his whole audience is with him. They're like, yeah, that's the seventh commandment. You know, tied to the 10th commandment, you should not covet your neighbor's wife. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're totally with you. You know, mostly, obviously, Jewish audience, they know the word, they know the Torah. However, the moment Jesus states verse 28, uh, his listeners probably go from agreement to astonishment as they try to kind of pick up what he's actually saying. Verse 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So any genuine Christ follower here today, a genuine follower of Christ, understands that adultery is a grievous sin before God. Jesus now takes this, though, a whole step further. And Jesus explains to look at a woman. This, this, is, this is lust, again, from woman to man or man to woman. Again, married or not married. That's what it's speaking to in its totality here. To look at a woman with lustful intent is committing adultery with her in her heart. So lustful intent here is looking at a woman to feed your inner sensual appetites. It's lusting after someone that does not belong to us in a longing to feed the sensual, sinful, sexual appetites of the flesh. We look, we stare, we long, we lust. That's what Jesus is saying here. And it's also, notice, the reason he relates it to adultery, because what is adultery? Adultery is stealing something that isn't yours. So when you long to have someone that is not yours, that doesn't belong to you, that is adultery of the heart, you long to steal that which does not belong to you. You long to fantasize about, to lust after, 
To imagine and to embrace in the heart, which Jesus says is deadly serious, it is sinful, and is absolutely devastating. Notice what Jesus is doing too, again, right? He's going from external actions, physical adultery, to internal motives, adultery in the heart, the lusting of the flesh. Why does he do that? Because he wants your heart. He wants your heart, that's why. It is likely that the religious leaders were all against physical adultery. Because again, that's, that's in the commandments of God. They would have taught that, and it's likely that they obeyed it. However, they had no issues probably with lust of the heart. They were probably filled with a lusting in the heart and they didn't see it as a problem. Jesus exposes them right here. He blows us up and he says, listen, when your heart is impure, your whole life is impure. A lot of people can walk around externally obeying, but inside they are full of corruption and sin and lust and devastation of their soul and no real affection for Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. The sin outside of us is massively important. The sin inside of us is also massively important. We also learn here that heart adultery is the result of eye adultery. Meaning, what we choose to see and gaze upon and long after stimulates the heart within us. It is the eyes that fuel the desire for the heart. What we look outside of us affects what's inside of us and impacts our desires in us as well. We must be aware of that. That's why Job says in Job 31, a verse that's probably familiar to a lot of you, he said, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not gaze at a virgin. Someone does not belong to me. This is not purity. This is what's going to hurt me and destroy me. I made a covenant with what I look at that I may not be impacted and affected again within me as my heart gets so hurt by such, again, lustful longing. It's just like that little children's hymn that at least I grew up with. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see from the God of love is looking down from above. And he is. He always is. And the eye is the lamp of the body. It's like what we look at, what comes again and impacts us within. It's a huge deal. And this is what Jesus is getting at. At the same time, I want to point this out too, right? There's two things happening here. What we look at is what, is what impacts again what's within us. But however, listen, what we long for, what we lust after is indication of what's in our hearts. So when I'm longing and lusting after sinful things, then what that's saying to me and us together, it's saying that there's a corruption in my heart that's deadly serious. When I am fixated on sinning, that's showing to me my sin is inside. My heart is corrupt. I have issues. Because from out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart flows again the way we live and think and act. So there's two things happening here. What I look at will impact my heart, but what I look at and long for indicates what's actually within me as well. We must be so careful. We must take this so seriously. What Jesus is teaching here too, he's teaching really this, and if you can look at this sequence, it's what I look at is what I long for. What I long for, the lusting. If I'm lusting, then I'm losing. Be so careful what our eyes look at. I mean, this part there's control over. And then the longing that turns to lusting every single time I will lose. Every single time when it forms the sinful of lust and longing for something that does not belong to me. Every single time I will lose. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. And listen, this is why our society is being so ravaged from within. 
Because why? Because we are promoting and celebrating that which is poison for the heart and devastation for the soul. It's also indicating, too, just how corrupt of heart our society is. Spitting in the face of God and celebrating that which is self-destruction for humanity. The collapse of the family, the ruin, the ruin of genuine affection and relationships. And it's just destroying, again, our society from within. Our society is caught in a tsunami of lust more than ever before. With technology and the way the media works, Jesus stands in the midst of this tsunami and he points to a better way. He points to a way and so many will laugh and mock. Of course they do. But for all who truly listen, who truly see, he says, I point you to the way of life. I point you to the way of light. I point you to the way of healing. I point you to the way of true love. I point you to the way of everlasting life and forgiveness of sins. And it all starts with the heart. But that is why, for example, that things like pornography are so absolutely devastating. Ripping lives to shreds. Josh Hawley points out, he points out that porn traffic is driving the internet in our world today. I don't think that's an understatement or an overstatement. Porn searches are by far some of the most popular now on earth. Porn is a multi-billion dollar industry. Porn has been, never been easier to access Listen to what Mark Regeneres said about this. He said on the screen, he says, men can see more flesh in five minutes than their grandfathers could see in a lifetime. Now think about that. That's also true. We are living in a current state and generation where men and of course women, I want to make sure that's clear here today, men and women now can see more flesh in five minutes than their great-grandparents could see again in the entirety of their lifetimes. That's how serious this is. That's how scary it is. That's what has changed again in the progress of our society. And what's the impact of this licentious lust? Well, it's absolute travesty. It's awful. 43% of American men report watching pornography in the past week. 24% of men report today or yesterday. Just think about that. Today or yesterday. 24% of men. Sexual addictions, of course, are on the rise. The use, I mentioned, the use of porn among women is also increasing at alarming rates. Young women, too, fantasizing and accessing porn and other means of having adultery in their heart and letting lust take over, again, portions of their lives. What's also devastating now, more and more young women face dating a young man who's currently addicted to porn. That is a horrific start to a relationship that is supposed to be in purity and in stability and in the pursuit of Christ. Studies show that porn use now is causing men to be less confident in engaging with women. Young men are less confident in their physical appearance due to their porn use. They're more self-conscious. They're insecure due to the devastation of their lust. In fact, some young men are not willing to put themselves at risk with a real woman at all. What a disaster. Of course, with the increase of porn use comes the collapse of the family. Men are so caught up in the sin of lust, they have disappeared in terms of their God-given roles as husbands and fathers. They are so consumed with the sin that is eating at their brains and hearts and ravaging their souls, they're no longer able to be who God intended them to be, again, as leaders and examples, and those who are to love those who are closest to them. It's absolutely disastrous. 
Porn also kills what is intended for true beauty, purity, and satisfaction. Increasing evidence is linking active porn use to causing hearts to be deadened. Young men and women are are becoming desensitized to what God designed as beautiful in his sight, where sex, a creation of God in the context of a man and woman in marriage, designed to be absolutely beautiful and glorious, now there's such an abuse of mind and heart and a degradation of the soul in terms of the sin. There's no sensitivity at all right now. They're dead and, and callous, no feeling. Why do you think Viagra's been so popular in the last several decades? And drugs like it. Because we need medicine now to allow again men and women to get to a place that should be there in the first place in purity before Christ. It's been so killing, so killing us from all over the place. That's why Jesus brings messages like this to say, man, this is such an important thing to recognize. If we let the sin into our hearts, it's going to ravage our lives. And listen, listen, the pornography thing, that's one aspect and segment of society in terms of lust. Just one. Just one in our current day. I spend some time on it to shine light on it. Then there's things like social media, which overlap, but things like social media that are so highly addictive, often saturated with so many opportunities to lust if you want to. I had Instagram on my phone for three minutes several years ago before I realized this isn't going to be good for my heart on multiple levels. One of them being images I don't want to look at. Three men, you know, they're saying, well, Robbie, you're pretty weak. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And it's not worth it to me. Like, I looked at it for three minutes saying, this isn't worth the risk. And other things too, just distraction, wasting time. Now, that's my decision. You have to make your decision. There's too much at stake for me. Right here, right now, husband, again, father, pastor, friend, brother, son. There's just too much at stake. I don't have the time to waste right now. It's not worth it to me. Maybe it is to you, but you have to be super, super careful in what you're doing and what the Holy Spirit's saying. And the world that we live, again, is this helping my heart or hurting my heart? And if in the end you can say it's helping your heart more than hurting, well, then God bless you. That's great. But if you can admit it's hurting me more than helping me in terms of passion for Christ, following him, serving him, and being pure before him, if it's hurting you more, I don't know, man. I don't think it's worth it. The apps that are specifically designed in our day to addict you and to steal your heart and ruin your joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's pretty hard to authenticate. That's pretty hard in my mind to justify an app specifically designed to promote ungodliness, unrighteousness, and idolatry, and we're going to justify it on every level. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Men and women here right now, too, like all the things that are going on, and just maybe I'll speak to men in a little bit, I already have, but women, too, like just like the role of what's happening, all these young women these days that are placing pictures of themselves in the specific desire that men will lust after them. Yeah, like what is that? We have to be so, so careful. And the different novels we're reading to fantasize the TV shows we're watching, women, and the series that we engage our mind and hearts with and binge with the root desire of of lusting after, again, pictures and men or whatever it is that's on that show. These are the things we have to be so careful with to admit to ourselves and say, is it worth it? I don't know how it is worth it. Wrecking our lives and desires for the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's become so common now, so common that it's like, well, well, everyone's doing it now. What about this too, right? So many sitting here right now and you're like, why don't I have affection for Christ? Why do I not want to sing to the Lord? Why do I have no hunger for the word? Why do I not serve in his church and love his kingdom? It's because your heart's infested with lust. That's 
that's why. Like, let's stop being so dumb. If our whole lives are consumed with sin, of course you have no appetite for Jesus Christ. You can't fill your life with sin at the same time worship Christ. you got to worship him or not worship him. Like right now, some young men here right now, this is your answer. The reason your life is not going the way you want is because sin of lust is ravaging your heart and destroying your soul. This is what keeps you from Jesus Christ. You love sin more than Christ. And that is the very thing that's blocking true salvation from changing your life and the Holy Spirit filling your soul. At the end of the day, you have to love Jesus Christ more than you want a temporal, self-destructing, devastating lust for sin and pleasure and self. It's that simple and it's that big a deal. This is why Jesus brings, again, Matthew 5 to us us today to expose the reality of what's happening within because this is about life and and death. To recognize I'm drinking poison for my soul. Sin is reigning again in my body. And that's happening. What what did you expect to happen? Do you expect love, joy, and peace? Of course not. That's not the way it works. God will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. I'm telling you, we're moving right into the heart of enemy territory today. Like right into the heart. So, So many. So many. Trust me, I'm human. I understand the battle the significance and the seriousness. I just want to, again, like, like the, the seriousness of Scripture. Second Peter chapter 2 is a very powerful chapter. It's speaking of false teachers trying to lead new believers away from Christ and trying to uh, destroy them by their false teaching. False teachers, irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. Wow, 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 wow. This is God's word, New Testament. 2 Peter 2, they will also be destroyed in their destruction. Be careful who you follow. Like you're following the sins of the world. This is our end. Destruction, suffering wrong as they wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. That's our world. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions. That's our world. While they feast with you, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children. New Testament, 2 Peter, right here. Wow. God, you can't say God didn't tell me. Yes, he did. Matthew 5, yes, he did. No, no, no ignorance today. Like just, just saying it for what it is and seeing it for what it is as well. The sobering reality of lust. Number two, I must understand then the severe response to lust. Look at, look at verse 29. If, you're, if your right eye then causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, Jesus, he is full of grace. He is so full of grace. Listen, he is also full of truth. Sometimes we forget that. Look at how truthful he is right here to the people that he is preaching to. I want to break down these verses in this way on the screen beside me and behind me here. When it comes to the sin of lust, what are we to do? Number one, my response must be drastic. My response must be drastic. Uh, Cut it out. Uh, Cut it off. Tear it out. Cut it off. Jesus refers to the eye. Why? Because the eye here is the source of the lust. He refers to the hand because 
It's the, hand, it, it, it's the hand that steals. Again, when I commit adultery, adultery is stealing something, taking that which is not my own. It does not belong again to them. If, if this is the sin that we're engaged with, Jesus says, cut out your eye, cut off your hand. Now, obviously, Jesus is not saying here that we should literally cut out our eye or cut off our hand. You cut, off, cut out your right eye, still have your left. You cut off your right hand, you still have your left hand. What he is saying, though, listen, listen, hear me, hear me, hear me. He is saying that we should take drastic measures to promote purity within our lives. What are we willing to do in the seriousness with what Jesus is teaching us today? What will happen is the world around us will say, oh, don't worry about it, man, just relax. It's not that big a deal. Everyone's doing it. And friends, by the way, sometimes Christian friends around us, because of their own struggle with sin and they don't want to feel the conviction, they'll be like, oh, you're, you're so intense, man. Just ease up. It's not that big a deal. No, no, no. Jesus would say absolutely otherwise. Jesus stands in the face of this and he says, it is a massive deal. Jesus says, you take every measure you need to to remove the sin that is sucking the life out of you because it's about life and death. That's what Jesus is saying today. It is better to have one eye removed, metaphorically speaking, or one hand removed than to have both and go into hell. You know, um, I remember a movie from several years ago. It was called Fireproof by the church in the Atlanta area, the series of movies that I think most of them are excellent and um, so it's a bit old now, but it had, a, it had a scene which I've always remembered and I think is so powerful on this right here, the drastic steps that is taken. So instead of describing it for you today, I thought, hey, let's just play it. So just watch this on the screen here. Day 23, watch out for parasites. A parasite is anything that latches onto you or your partner and sucks the life out of your marriage. They're usually in the form of addictions like gambling, drugs, or pornography. They promise pleasure, but grow like a disease and consume more and more of your thoughts, time, and money. They steal away your loyalty and heart from those you love. Marriages rarely survive if parasites are present. If you love your wife, you must destroy any addiction that has your heart. If you don't, it will destroy you. Okay, Lord, no more addictions.
Mr. Rudolph? Caleb? You doing okay today? No, not really. I think two reactions right away to that right there. You say, well, that seems over the top. Does it? Does it? He looks like an idiot in front of his neighbor. Isn't that the point? You're so intense, man. How, how come you're taking this so seriously? Relax, man. Like, you're really going to destroy that thing? That costs a lot of money. That, this, this is the problem. This is the issue. Let me ask you this. If your, phone, if your phone is being used to send you down the path of hell, is it worth to keep your phone? Like, honestly, if your phone is being used to ravage your soul and poison your heart and ruin your best relationships... Is it worth it? I say no. I say no. Like some people I know, like going back to a flip phone for this reason. You're like, that's archaic. Maybe it's wise. Maybe it's the best thing they could do. That's what Jesus is saying. Whatever it takes, it's better to go in, you know, and lose your phone than your whole body going to hell. This is what he's saying. It seems so drastic. People, I like what, in that clip too, like his neighbor's watching, he does it anyways. He looks over, he probably feels like a bit of, this is so weird. And he smashes it again anyways. That's such a good visual for us to understand. Whatever it takes, that's how precious purity is within our lives. Our response must be drastic. Our whole family has accountability software and devices and computers. My wife gets reports and others as well. Just things you do, steps of moral fences to say, man, it is not worth it. God, again, they're not foolproof, always ways around them, but they are helpful. Life is too precious, help us, Lord. This world is, is so dark. My response must be drastic. Secondly, my sin must be detested. This is, this is so important theologically, men, women, children, okay? When Jesus says, you know, cut it out, tear it, or cut it off, right? What happens? Why would you cut out your eye and cut off your hand, metaphorically speaking? Because you, because you want to get rid of them because you hate it. You hate what it's doing to you. This is so important here too, right? We must hate our sin. You must see the sin for what it is. That's what happened with Kirk Cameron acting as Caleb there, right? He saw the sin. I love even his eyes. He's staring at the image and what it's trying to do. It's trying to ruin his marriage. It's trying to ruin his life. It's trying to ruin his relationship. And he sees it and you see the intensity of his eyes and he's like, no more. I love that. He, he recognized the lie is, hey, feel good. The lie is, have pleasure. The lie is, everyone's doing it. The lie is, you'll feel good for a moment. But there's not one percentage of sin that is good. Zero. Zero. All sin does is wreck us and ruin us. Sin equals death. When you see the sin for what it is, you see the temptation, you see the lie, and at that moment, you're not here to bless me, you're here to ruin me. You will not bless my marriage or ruin my marriage. You will not ruin my relationship with Christ. You will not sabotage my life. You will not ruin my family and my relationship with Christ. You will not do that because that's what's at stake. That's when you grab the bat and you're ready to go. That's when you're ready to say, whatever it takes, you will not get in the way of the most important thing in my life. Again, my love for Jesus Christ and all the blessing that flows from him. That's what Jesus is saying. And the world will say, wow, man, that's super intense. Jesus says, my will be done. Jesus says, I'm not of this world. 
And the wise man or woman right now is not fighting what's being suggested. They are now considering the ways that they can move towards a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ because too much is at stake. My response must be drastic. My sin must be detested. And lastly, my sin unchecked leads to death. My sin unchecked, unrepented of, leads to death. Again, we're in the heart of the enemy's territory today in a big way. I understand that. And um, I just, it's important for us to understand how many are in death row right now due to lust. How many are in death row? In both verses, Jesus, again, Jesus makes it very clear. His words, not mine. The sin of lust, unrepented of. The sin of lust, I'm going to be as clear as I can, unrepented of, where there's indifference, it leads straight to hell. The foolishness of our world does this. The foolishness and the unbelief of our world says, I will take temporal, sinful, lustful pleasure now and experience eternal judgment forever. It's amazing how stupid that sounds when you say it out loud. A temporal desire to fulfill the lusts of my flesh and risk all eternity in judgment. It's going to be worth it? No, no, no. The godly wisdom says right now, I forego the loss of temporal, sinful, lustful pleasure. Which, by the way, it's a win-win. Because when you're in Christ and you obey Christ, the blessings that come, man. The blessings that come. It's unbelievable. I will forego temporal, lustful, sinful pleasure in the hopes and the reality of eternal joy and victory and his glorious pleasure for the rest of all eternity. That's what Jesus is offering for those who have faith to believe. It's the battle of wisdom and foolishness or foolishness and wisdom. Let me just remind you this, 2 Peter 2, I put that verse up before. I just want a couple of verses later. Look at this, false teachers. They are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Wow, wow, wow. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping, likely new believers, and from those who live in error who don't know Christ. Look at this, look at this, okay? This, this is so important for our world today. They promise, the world promises them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. That's our world. That's exactly what's happening. We are promised freedom at every term. We're promised freedom by those who themselves are under slavery and corruption to sin. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. This, this, this is the lie of our world. All these promises of freedom and joy and pleasure, they themselves are imprisoned in their own sin and absolute corruption. I'm so thankful for how clear the word of God is. Tough today, tough today. Listen, I would not be faithful to God's word and I would not be truly loving if I did not urgently warn you according to God's word, this type of sin, I mean, right now, there's some here who need to hear this right now, this type of sin, the sin of lust, if it is unconfessed, unrepented of, there's no conscience, you do not care, you're indifferent to it, you have to understand what the Bible says for that person, the sin of lust leads to death. Sin unconfessed, unrepented of, according to the words of Jesus Christ, leads to death. And that's the bad news. And that's serious news. My prayer even this week is some of us will be feeling that physically. Even praying that some will be trembling 
in the fear of God, in the holiness of God, in the righteousness of God, in the glory of God, in the will of God, in the word of God, when we have taken so lightly and casually the sin that has been wrecking us and destroying us and hurting us so greatly. The bad news is sin leads to death, but here's the good news, ready? Jesus came to save us from such sin. That is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the answer to all of this sin of lust or any other sin that we've ever committed. Let's get some gospel hope and freedom on the screen for us here because this has been a heavy message and there's, I'm praying there's a lot of conviction. Conviction is good. Not looking for guilt, but conviction is good and of the Holy Spirit. But let's remind ourselves here, if we're loaded down, Jesus is the answer to any and all sin. Okay, why? Because in our guilt, Jesus gives us grace. Jesus is the only source of grace. For while, Romans 5, for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember, if the thief on the cross can be saved at the last moments of his life, life after a life of corruption and murder and thievery and he's on the cross he looks beside in a moment of faith and says Jesus today remember me in paradise and Jesus says remember me in your kingdom Jesus today you will be with me in paradise if that guy can get saved you can too no one is too far gone from the grace and the mercy and the love that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus promises in our filth right in our sin our sin of lust we have filthy robes disgusting that's why Christ came Christ came, he says, I want all your filthy robes. Here are my robes of righteousness. Again, we went through a couple of weeks ago. That is what Jesus, he takes our sin, we get his righteousness, all because of his grace and love and mercy, his forgiveness and his kindness to us. Listen, in our failure, you say, I failed, me too. All of us fail. In our failure, Jesus forgives. Luke 5, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The whole reason Jesus came was to save sinners like me and like you. The key, though, the key, the Pharisees did not admit they needed Christ. The Pharisees saw themselves as righteous. I don't need God. I don't need him for this. I don't need a savior in this way. Jesus came to save those who know they need to be saved. Men and women right now saying, man, I have a heart that needs, again, a new heart. I have corruption inside that I can't fix. I need to be saved from myself. That is exactly who Jesus Christ came to save. This is who he came to forgive and heal and restore and give life. You say, I'm a failure. Me too. It's the whole point of Jesus Christ. And then this, because in our slavery to sin, only Jesus can set us free. John 8, if the Son has set you free, you will be free. Indeed. Indeed. 100% true. If you have been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in him by grace through faith, he will set you free. A very important moment today, right? Because the reality, I know the stats of the sin of lust in the world, and I know the stats of that in the church. Right now, uh, overflow here, orange, whatever it is, right now in this room, dozens and dozens of people, men and women, are battling this issue right now. That's just a fact. You know it. I mean, the Holy Spirit shot a laser beam right on your heart and life right now, too. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to leave this building and leave this room and just pretend it didn't happen? Or are you going to man up men? Maybe for the first time ever. Take responsibility. Confess the sin. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, today is the day that this ends. Today is the day that I will not continue to live a lie and ruin my marriage, ruin my friendships, ruin relationships, ruin my future. Today's the day by God's grace and love 
because he loves you so much. He brings messages like this in this text because he knew 2,000 years later, you would need to, I would need to hear this today, right now, at this day, at this time, in this country, in our lives, right now, as a message of hope and freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy and the wonderful, inexhaustible love of God. I pray I've done my part, but now you have to do your part. You have to decide if this is going to make a difference or if you're going to let it go in one ear and out the other and just move on. A lot of prayers have been up this week for moments like this. That the Lord would release people from bondage, open eyes to the seriousness of it, and point them to a way of light and love and beauty and blessing. That choice, though, is up to you now. And I beg the Lord for obedience within his church. By the way, so we are, I'm just asking us to sit still, but we are moving towards the Lord's Supper now. Just, just think of the seriousness of the Lord's Supper today. And each time that we share it together, the remembrance of the death of Jesus Christ can I just say this too? Like, if you're here today in the series, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, we are to examine our hearts before the Lord's Supper. And it also indicates the reasons in, in, in Scripture, the reasons some of you have become sick and died is because you have treated the Lord's Supper with irreverence. You can read it yourself, 1 Corinthians 11. That's, that's very sobering. People were dying because they failed to treat the Lord's Supper in a way of reverence. If you're here today, and you have this sin, sin of lust, running through your life, and it's unrepented of and unconfessed, I'm just, would you be extremely careful with the Lord's Supper? If you're living a hypocritical life and there's double-mindedness, and you know, just be very careful of how you handle the Lord's Supper, and maybe today's a great day just to let it pass. However, let me say this. If you have repented of, if you have confessed your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive, again, you and me our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then by all means come and receive the symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ with incredible thanksgiving and joy and humility because of what Jesus Christ has done. Just take it so seriously today because he is worthy of this in our lives. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, the Lord's Supper, it's not for you then right now. Obviously, it's for those who love Christ, who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, who have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. It is not meant for those who don't know him, but we invite you to be saved by him, to know his love, and to be forgiven of any and all sin by believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a serious time, church. I know uh, reverence is a lost art in the church, most today. We have to bring it back. We have to see the holiness of God, the sinfulness of ourselves, and be filled with such gratitude and humility before him. Today's an opportunity to do that. Please, please, please help us, Lord, take it so seriously today. Let's, let's bow our heads um, quietly, reverently. Uh, ushers, the communion servers, you can come forward right now. And let us just pray. Father, I do pray so much that there is a sense of reverence right now before you. I pray that there is a sobriety among us in what we're about to do. The Lord's Supper reminding us of the agony, the punishment, the wrath that Jesus Christ bore on our behalf and ultimately his death and crucifixion. 
uh, for our sins, for my sins, for our sins. Uh, That is a massive deal. Your death, Jesus, brought us life. Your blood brought our cleansing. Your mercy brought our forgiveness. Your punishment, Lord, brought us purity. Please, Father, would you find in men, women, and children today a great sense of a vision of you and your love, your death, your sacrifice, a great humility before you. As the cups are passed, they are stacked. You can take a stack of a symbol of his body and blood, the bread and juice, and then we will take this together. So lead us now, Lord, in this important time. In Jesus' name.